Good morning, wonderful people. How you doing? Great to see you this morning. The weather's turned slightly, hasn't it? A little bit colder, a little bit wetter. Well, as Ant said, we are starting a four-part series that we have called Mind. In fact, this week is part one. Next week is our eighth birthday, which is going to be amazing. And then we have part two, three, and four um, after that. Um, I just want to kind of say a little bit of a disclaimer at the beginning of this series. Uh, The disclaimer is this. uh, No one from the front who's preaching in the next few weeks is a mental health professional. Okay. Uh, Basically, we want to try and open the scriptures and we want to try and give a biblical answer to sound Christian thinking. Um, If uh, you know, stuff comes up as we go through this series. Of course, we have loads of incredible people in this church that want to love on you, they want to listen to you, they want to pray for you. That's why we have a pastoral care team. That's why we do Sozo. That's why we have deliverance. Uh, that's why we have counseling that we refer people to. But of course, we're not the only place in space that you can go to get support with your mental health. I'm just putting that out there right now. So, my conviction and also my experience is that when we change our mind, we change our life. Over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the mind of the Apostle Paul. And arguably, at the end of the life of the Apostle Paul, if anyone had won the battle for their mind, it was him. The good news for you and for me is that he wasn't always there. In fact, if you read some of Paul's early writings, writings, he seems pretty crazy. Crazy. Um, which actually is pretty encouraging for me because at times I can feel pretty overwhelmed in my mind. Paul, for sure, battled in his mind. He said in Romans 7.15, you know, you've read this loads of times, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Later on in that passage, Paul's like, who can help me? Who can deliver me from this body of death. He battled in his mind over and over again. He fought, he took ground, and over time, he learned to master his thoughts. And actually, when I think about Paul, he learned to master his thoughts under the most harshest conditions, uh, battering from every side of life, and even from a Roman prison cell, God has used Paul's mind to impact millions and millions of lives. Why? Because Paul captured the thoughts in his mind. Today we're going to pretty much camp in three verses, but I will open them up slightly. And it's in 2 Corinthians 10. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you open them? If not, it's going to come up on the screen. Or if you're watching at home, it's going to come up on the screen there as well. 2 Corinthians 10, uh, from verse 3, Paul says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. For those of you here this morning, in this room, those of you that are watching online, that are followers of Jesus, do you know we have access to supernatural weapons from the kingdom of heaven's arsenal? Do you know that? We have weapons to fight the ways of this world. And these weapons that we have 
have power. The Greek word here is the word dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamite. The weapons that we have access to are have explosive, heavenly power to do the miraculous of God. These weapons are given to us for us to use to demolish strongholds. Maybe you're sitting here today, you say, John, what's a stronghold? It's not a word that we use every day, is it? But the Greek word for stronghold is a karuma, which means a fortified prison. Different commentaries that I read said that a stronghold is when a prisoner is in a fortified prison. When we're in a stronghold, we're prisoners locked up by deception. We've believed lies, and these lies have put us in a prison of our mind. See, the enemy tries to shape our thinking one lie at a time, and the reason he does that is because he wants to get us into this prison and believe things that aren't true. The enemy often tells us things like, well, you can't trust people. You can't let people know who you really are. He says things like, God doesn't really love you. God doesn't really care about you. God doesn't hear your prayers. He says things like, I'm never going to get over him. Or I'm never going to get over her. I'm always going to be like this. I'm always going to be hurting. He says things like, you can never have real intimacy. Look, 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 whatever it is for you. Let me remind you, church, the enemy is the father of lies. He lies to you, and he lies to me. But what Paul says is that we should demolish, we should conquer, we should crush and destroy these lies. Continue, verse 5. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Anything that is not from God, we should demolish it. We should crush it. Everything that is not in line with God's truth. We continue in verse 5. What do we do about it? We take every thought captive, every single thought captive, church, and we make it obedient to Christ. Over the next few weeks, we're going to learn how to recognize any thoughts that come into our mind that's not from God. Are you up for that? And then we're going to learn how to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You say, John, well, why does this matter? Why does it really matter? Well, it matters because the life we have is a direct reflection of the thoughts we think Our life is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And church, if we want to change our lives, we've got to change our thinking. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, God is going to change your life. Yeah, he is. He is. Remember, 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 our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. 
as you think, so you become. If you think you can't, you probably won't. If you believe through Christ that you can, you can. If you believe you're a victim, you will probably always suffer at the hands of some outside circumstance, and you'll probably be a victim. But if you believe that you can overcome through the power of Christ, you can overcome. If you're always looking at problems and dwelling on problems, problems will probably overwhelm you. Instead, if you're looking at solutions, looking for the work of God, you will find solutions. And guess what? You'll see God working. So what do we know about our thoughts? For almost all of us, in almost every situation, most of life's battles are won and lost in our mind. The mind is a battlefield between God's truth about you and Satan's lies about you. There is a war between God's truth and between the enemy's deception. One of the most important things that I want us to do as we go through this series and beyond is I want us to think about what we think about. Let's do a bit of a thought inventory just for a moment. What have you been thinking about in the last few days? Let me give you three different extremes for us to think about what you've just thought about. Let's start with worried thoughts versus peaceful thoughts. I wonder how many of you are worried about what people think of your children, worried about the future, worried about money, Worried about a job, worried about health, worried about how long I'm going to speak this morning. (laughs) It doesn't matter the exact thoughts, but you just know that you're worried about different things. Versus those who have a peaceful mind. You know you're at rest. You rest well at night. Your mind is at peace. There is no sense of anxiety What do you think about? Is your mind characterized by worry or peace? Let's talk about another one. Let's contrast a positive mindset with a negative mindset. Which one are you? Are you generally negative? Are you a critical person? Even today, you were like, I can't believe what she's wearing. Or who does he think he is? Or look at that numpty. Do you find fault easily? Are you discontented? Do you feel like life is always going to be hard and it's just going to get worse? Are you negative in your mindset? Or do you see the positive? Do you believe the best about people? Is life generally good And you believe in the goodness of God. Do you believe that God is for you, that he's with you, and that he's working in all things to bring about good? Do you generally have a negative mindset or a positive mindset? Let's talk about a contrast between a worldly mindset and an eternal mindset. Would you say you're more worldly in thinking, What's best for you? What benefits you? What you get? What you have? What you want? 
Or would you say you have a more eternally-minded mindset? You think about what benefits the king and the kingdom. Do you have a mindset of thinking about how can I be a blessing to others? How can I use my life to bring glory to Jesus? Do you have a worldly mindset? Or do you have an eternal mindset? Church, think about what you think about because our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. In other words, what comes into our mind comes out in our life. See, no matter what we do, no matter what we have, no matter what we know, no matter what we buy, no matter where we live, no matter where we travel, we can't have a positive life with a negative mindset. Our thoughts really matter. Let me ask you, are you excited about where your thoughts are taking you? Think about what you think about. Are you, are you satisfied? Are you blessed? Are you excited by where your thoughts are taking you? For me, for sure, absolutely at times, there is a battle in my mind. This calling to lead a church can be brutal. Lots of voices all the time. I'm just trying to hear Jesus through people's opinions and brokenness and bias. And I say this all the time, and I genuinely mean this. To lead this church is the greatest privilege on earth. But there is a cost. At times, there is a significant battle going on in my mind. And of course, I hear stories all the time of people meeting Jesus and coming to faith and getting healed. It's amazing. I've been in this season just recently of being so overwhelmed at the staff team that I get to live the kingdom life with them, the most wonderful people that I know. And there are times I can tell you where I sit there and I think, what am I doing? I find myself in impossible situations where I know I just can't please everybody. For sure, and I know some of you identify with this, I feel absolutely exhausted and overwhelmed in my mind. The enemy comes, doesn't he? He's like, it's so difficult. Nobody understands what it's like to lead this church. Poor me. And my mind can race. It can race. It can race. And over the years, it's for sure affected my sleep, my relationship with Alice, my time with my kids. However... Over the last few years, I want to tell you, this has become less frequent. I've made massive improvements, and I I want you to know, because I don't want you to put me on some pedestal, I still have a long way to go in this, in God renewing my mind. I'm definitely on a journey in allowing God to renew my mind and replace lies with truth. I'm regularly in a process and have been for a number of years of thinking about what I think about. And I've actually found some really helpful, healthy rhythms, more and more, certainly over the last, say, four or five years, where I can uh, get myself into a place of peace. I can get into God's Word. I can be detached. I can use the weapons I just talked to you about. And I can grasp God's truth. But it is a challenge And any of you trying to change your mind, uh, know it's a challenge. So this is where we're going. This is what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Because church, this is super important. Remember our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. 
but there is a battle. If you're married here today, your, wherever your marriage is currently at is a direct result of the thoughts you think. The joy or, or the lack of joy in your life right now is based on the thoughts that you think. And in this series, this is what we want to focus on. What we want to focus on is what do we actually believe about ourselves. Today, if you like, is the foundation, and really I'm just going to give us two simple things to start to work on, and in the coming weeks we're going to build on top of this foundation. The first thing I want us to do today, and maybe you can do this right now, maybe you need to go away and think about this, is I want us to think of the number one stronghold that is holding you back. What deception have you been believing that puts you in a prison of your mind? What is the lie that you have been believing? What is the enemy using to keep you from living the life that God wants you to live? Maybe you just hear that you're never going to be good enough. Maybe you hear, well, my my past, my past is just too bad. After all I've done, God could never use me. Maybe it's, it's because of what they did to me. I just can't trust anybody anymore, and I'm not going to try. Maybe you're like, all of my relationships, no matter how hard I try, they all fall apart, so I'm just not going to try anymore. What is the number one lie or stronghold that is holding you back? See, apparently what happens is whenever we think a thought, our brain literally redesigns itself around that thought. There's this changing chemical makeup that happens in our brain, and every single thought creates a neurochemical change in our body. Like if you think a positive thought, your body rewards you with a chemical called dopamine. There's like a bit of a buzz, a thrill. You, You know that feeling, right? When you think something positive. Your brain is saying, I like that thought. Let's, let's think it again. And what happens is, the more that we think that thought, the more we create what scientists call a neuropathway in our brain. Our brain creates a path, kind of like, I've got a picture here, I was trying to work this out. It's kind of like walking across grass in the same place over and over again and creating a path, right? The more we think of thought, the easier it is to think it again And if we think that thought, it becomes a default kind of pathway in our brains. If we tell ourselves we don't have enough over and over and over again, we create a pathway where it's easier to think, well, we're never, ever going to have enough. We've actually created a negative neural pathway. And in order to change our thinking, we have to change the path that our thoughts are traveling on. We need to recognize the, the negative pathway and say to ourselves, that thought is not helpful, it is not productive, it's not from God. We capture that thought and we choose a different thought. And in doing so, we create a new pathway. And here's what happens. If we continue to travel down an unhealthy pathway, it becomes easier to travel down that pathway. If we choose to stay off the unhealthy pathway, over time, the grass starts to grow back up. And as we do that, it becomes less appealing to walk down that pathway. Bring, bring that picture um, back up again. 
what happens is you see the grass on either side, it starts to grow up on that pathway. It's just not as appealing to go that way because we want to go this way. And every time we go down that good pathway, we get a, a, a dopamine boost, and over time, we want to think more positive thoughts. What we're trying to do as Christians is create God-honoring pathways in our brain. For example, if your mind says, I don't feel good about myself, let's eat, there's a clear pathway between feeling bad and food. Maybe you're like, I don't feel good, so ice cream. What we need to do is capture that thought. I'm just giving an example because I know lots of you will relate to this, right? We need to capture that thought. We need to say, no, actually, when I don't feel good about myself, I'm not going to travel down that path. I'm not going to think ice cream. I'm going to choose a new path. I don't know. Maybe you go for a walk. Maybe you do some exercise. Maybe you change what you eat and eat something healthy. Over time, going down the healthy pathway will make you feel good. There'll be that release of dopamine. You get rewarded for doing the right thing, and the old pathway starts to grow over. Over time, the ice cream thought solution is not as easy to travel down. Now look, you might be sitting here and you might be thinking, I can't change my mind. I'm never going to be able to do this. That's not a God-honoring path. We need to say to ourselves, I'm not going to travel down that path anymore. I'm going to capture those thoughts because they're not healthy, they're not productive, they're not lifting my spirit, and we're going to choose a different path. We're going to say, we believe that God is with us, his spirit is with us. We have power in us to create new pathways in our minds. How do we change our lives? We change our thinking away from the lies of the enemy, and we reprogram them towards the truth of God. What does scripture say about this? It says, apply God's truth. Romans 12, 2 says, do not conform, I've said this so many times, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Or we could say, do not conform to the world's neuropathways. Don't think like the world thinks. Don't live like the world lives but instead be transformed, be changed. How are we changed? By the renewing of our minds. Science would probably say we're rewiring our brains, but God's word says we're renewing our minds. And my homework for you this week is to identify that stronghold. Maybe you've already done it here today. Identify that stronghold, that lie that is holding you back. And this is really important We have to be able to define it. I don't know, maybe you think you're unlovable. Maybe you think you're not worthy or not good enough or too broken or your mind is just too sick. Whatever it is, name it because you can't defeat what you can't define. What is the lie from the enemy that has kept you in prison? Some of you know what I'm talking about and some of you have gone back to this thought process for years and years and years. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to name the truth that demolishes the stronghold. We're going to identify the lie and identify the truth that destroys that lie. Let's go back to our text again, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. Remember, Apostle Paul, guy who struggled with his mind, fought for health, 
The guy who never surrendered to lies but continued to press on for truth. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Remember this coastline. Our weapons have heavenly power, divine power, miraculous, explosive power from God to destroy, demolish the lies of the evil one. Further on in verse 5, demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Coming Coming into land. Think about what Paul wrote in Ephesians 6. He tells us about the armor of God, doesn't he? And the armor that we have is to fight the forces of darkness. But if you ever noticed, and you have all noticed this because I've noticed this, that the armor of God is defensive. All of the, the parts of the armor of God are defensive apart from one. The helmet is defensive. The breastplate is defensive. Um, uh, the shield is defensive. The truth is defensive. The shoes are defensive. But there's one weapon that is offensive, and that is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What we do is we capture the lie with the sword of the Spirit, with the truth of the Word of God, and we declare that the lie is not from God. We're not going to believe it. We can capture any wrong thought. We're resolute in our mind. We're like, I'm not going down that pathway, and I'm like, I'm choosing a different pathway. Over times, what will happen is that grass will grow back up and it will be not as easy to go down that negative path because you will know the truth. My experience is the more that we go down the correct pathway, the more that God renews our minds, he changes our thinking and we're able to walk by faith and not by sight. The more his spirit guides us and his word directs us, the more he empowers us to do what he's called us to do. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What comes into our minds comes out in our lives. See, the truth is, we're never on our own because God is always with us. And if you've accepted Jesus, his spirit lives in you. It's living, it's powerful. The same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in all of us who have accepted Jesus. And in those moments where you're thinking negatively, you can submit to Christ. We want to be conquerors, don't we? We want to know the the spirit of God coursing through our veins, empowering us in every moment of every day to become like Christ. 2 Peter 1.3 says, God is... His, his, and this is God's power. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Do you believe that, church? Do you really believe that? We have everything that we need. The more we walk this, the more God's thought paths become clearer and easier for us to travel down. I'll end with this. If Satan tells us we can't, We say we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength, Philippians 4.13. If Satan says, oh, you're so weak, we say when we are weak, he makes us strong, 2 Corinthians 12.10. If the enemy says to you, you're not attractive, remember you're fearfully and wonderfully made, 
Psalm 139, 14. If he says, you're miserable, you say to him, the joy of the Lord is our strength. If he says, you're always going to be alone, you can say, he will never, ever leave me nor forsake me. But I'm just a victim. I can't overcome. I'm always going to be addicted. No, remember, we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of his testimony. Revelation 12, 11. I'm not going to believe who the enemy says I am. I'm going to believe who God says I am. Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, church. What comes into our mind comes out in our lives. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. We need to learn as a family to capture the lies of the enemy and speak the truth of God into our minds. Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Don't stay locked in the prison of your mind, church, because Jesus has opened the door. And my prayer for this series is that we as a church would master our thoughts, that we become free people in our thinking who help free people from the prisons of their minds. Are you up for that? Let's do this. Amen. Would you stand?